Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Good morning, and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation, promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming. And as always, every week, our goal, our responsibility, our obligation is to empower you, our listeners, to knowing, being, and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Several ways you can do that. First is primary if you'd like to get your thoughts on the air. You can do so by calling 347-237-5230. That is the number to get your insights, uh, inquiries, commentations, commendations, commentary on the air. And um, also we do have our chat room open, so you can go to the chat room and do, uh, do likewise in the chat room. Uh, if you're not familiar with us, we are... Uh, We've been around for a while, and we're doing what we can to do to help the body of Christ. Uh, and so there's some ways you can do that, help find out more about us. Uh, go by our Facebook page, Zero Network on Facebook, like that page, and subscribe to the show on blogtalkradio.com slash zero today. And you can catch archive shows all the way back to 2010. We've been doing this thing for a while, so we're very, very glad the Lord has allowed us to do so. Uh, we got a lot of things planned. Oh, yeah. You can send me an email, PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. Uh, visit my uh, blog, LorenzoTNeal.com. We try to keep that updated and, and whatever. We're gonna, Like I said, we've been working and working. I'll try to get things done. And uh, <laughs> me, <laughs> being the person with ADHD that I am, it's, you know, I get sidetracked and get off. But uh, <laughs> we're doing what we can. So we're glad that you wel- we'll welcome you to this uh, Wednesday edition of the Zero Today show. We've got a lot to talk about, but today we're going to focus for a while now, 
and I, I I've learned a few things over the last uh, 25 years or so that I've been in preaching ministry, and I want to share some things that I think will help young clergy, not not just young in age, but also young in ministry. So we're going to talk about that as well. But before we go into the any the news headlines of the day, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, for your loving kindness better than life, for your goodness, for every good and every perfect gift that you've allowed to come our way, for your visitation in our lives today. Well, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So there are quite a bit of things in the news today, and I want to lead off uh, with a story that's been pretty, um, it's kind of, is going across the Christian circuit with the news of the hospitalization of uh, Benny Hinn. Of course, you know, Benny Hinn is the famed faith healer who has, for the last 20-odd years or so, uh, been doing the work of miracles. And, uh, of course, you know, he's a controversial, he's a controversial figure in the contemporary body of Christ. Uh, but as, as, uh, no, as noted, as reported, he is in ICU after suffering a heart condition or a heart attack. Uh, uh, the reports vary. Uh, one is a serious heart condition. The other one is a heart attack after a ministry event uh, earlier this week. I believe it was in California. I'm not sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, the solicitation him. And and we are we have been praying and we are soliciting that you are you do the same for Benny Hinn. And here's the thing about this: do you agree with his practice, his motive, or whatever? His uh, he's affiliated with the Word of Faith, I believe, charismatic movement, things of that nature. Uh, but yet he is still a man of God. He's still a believer in Christ. And we should pray for him, that the Lord will heal him, as uh, many have credited the Lord using him to heal them, uh, that the Lord find favor with him. And, you know, I've read some very, very, very mean things lately, the last couple of days since uh, the story came out. Um, Last couple of days since the story came out, I've read some very, very mean things, such as... Uh, you know, the typical thing, why can't he heal himself, or this just proved that he's a fake. Uh, or some people have been praying for him to die. And I just cannot believe the heart of a person who calls himself a believer in Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. I cannot believe the person would, would wish such thing upon himself, upon another person, uh, especially those who have been serving the body of Christ, whether you agree with his doctrine, motive, ministry, anything, uh, the Bible said that we should pray for one another, plain and simple. And so we have been interceding on behalf of um, Pastor Benny Hinn for his wife, for his family, for his health, and for his ministry. I had the opportunity to meet one of his prodigies, uh, prodigies uh, Brian Carn, who will be stepping in to minister for Pastor Hinn and uh, uh, at least one speaking engagement, I believe. And so it's it's very it's very it is very meet right and your bounded duty 
pray. And I pray against that God would, you know, do something. I don't I don't even have to say it. <laughs> but just pray uh, that uh, the Lord will restore health if it be his will, if it's the Lord's will. And if that's all you can do, you can pray if it's the Lord's will uh, for Pastor Hen to be restored to health, that he would be so. Um, but again, many accredited him, uh, the Lord using him to heal. Many follow his crusades. Uh, I've been to one of his crusades. Uh, no, I've been actually a couple of his crusades. Uh, it was an interesting experience, but uh, that that that's neither here nor there. So that's that's the probably the most uh, the breaking headline for most in the Christian faith. So I caught this story. I, I read this. I came across a story that I just don't. I don't know how to believe. Uh, it's kind of funny some of the things you come across. But there's this. Um, Nigerian uh, rapper, I guess, a dancehall artist, rapper. I don't know what they are. Uh, but anyway, this guy is a phenomenon in Nigeria. But he says, and I'm, I'm just, he says that the Lord instructed him to get goat horns implanted into his head so he could stand out and be a bigger artist. No, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. You can go to uh, Black Church, Old Black Church, and there are other sources for this. But this story just kind of, and I'm looking at the picture, and I'm thinking, oh, my freaking God, goodness. This guy literally has surgeons implant goat heads, goat horns, into his head. It's a black dude. I, <laughs> I just don't know what to make of it. I re- I really don't know what to make of it, but the the uh, the funny thing is that again he believes wholeheartedly that he has he had you know that the Lord instructed him in this prophetic manner to do so, and um, he is he he has done it, and um, well I don't know what to say, but. He did, and you'll find the story more on um, uh, Old Black Church. This is where I found it. And uh, may be the case, may not be the case, but, you know, the things people blame on God, I just wonder sometimes. I, I really, I honestly, God, wonder why. Why do people put so much blame on? I mean, there there are people who claim that God told them to do some very very disturbing things, and I'm not talking about you know things like you know climbing up a wall or something. I'm talking about <laughs> things like jumping off the roof, molesting their children, and all kinds of crazy things that they say the Lord does instructed them to do. I, I can't buy into it, but you'd be surprised how many people actually. Um, I don't know. I don't even know how to subscribe that. So I'm I'm just gonna move on. There's another. There's an article that I came across in the Christian Post that I thought was very inspirational and um, as well. And it, it, it reads that the number of Americans who say they have no religion hits record high. Why I say it very well. Um, 
because it is actually presenting a challenge to the church. It's presenting a challenge to the church. Let me pull up the article real quickly, help you understand, help you see it. Now, the article comes from the Christian Post, and it says the new data on the 2014 general survey social. Uh oh. That's what happens when you pull up a live ad. <laughs> uh, so, the post says is is reported by the um there it is again. I tell you, they just don't want to want to let it break with me today. Ah, the fun of doing live radio. Come on, really? <laughs> All right. Anyway, so the All right, there we go. We finally got it. Uh, the general social, social survey conducted by the NOC and the University of Chicago found that although Americans are abandoning specific religions at record high numbers, the rate of those who said they believe in God has remained steady. The Associated Press identified it as one of the major findings in the survey, which asked a number of wide-ranging questions of the American public. Um, so the numbers even higher statistics uh, by Gallup said. Uh, they found that only 3% of respondents say that they do not believe in God, while 5% identified as agnostic. Another 58 expressed faith in God, while 70% said they believe there is life after death. The poll also found that Americans are in favor of lowering taxes and government spending. Uh, go figure. <laughs> All right, so major Christian denominations. This is uh, – refi- they're, they're, it's reporting – that they're declining in media and membership, and I can say that because I'm a part of a mainline Protestant denomination, and we are seeing it in our membership as our older members die out. Those who were diehard members of the African Methodist Episcopal Church that were born, raised, you know, born, and that's all they knew, that's all their life reciprocate, you know, circled around. As they die, we're not replace, we're not replacing them because the younger persons are not interested. In church as much, or in the traditional mainline Protestant church, as much as they are interested in just being spiritual. So uh, the survey it says that there was a record low of 37% of Americans said that they were part of Protestant denomination, while 23% said that they are part of the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, and then there are those who refuse to identify with any denomination. And so it says a lot. Um, now, this is also reflects what the Pew Research did in 2012, as we saw uh, a growing number of unchurched. It's becoming uh, it's becoming more popular, I guess you could say, um, for whatever reason it may be. And this this is to send a direct message to the churches to see what can we do, uh, or, you know, and um, for example, last uh, as as more people talked about Creflo Dollar getting this uh, soliciting for the plane, to say that the one thing that uh, the solicitation included it was that there are still millions who have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, there are still millions of unchurched persons. What this what this actually says is that those unchurched persons are not unchurched because they not ha- have not heard, but they are unchurched by choice. And uh, we need to challenge the choice. 
Why are they choosing to be unchurched? And what is the church? Both Protestant, Charismatic, Catholic, Roman Catholic. Uh, uh, what are we doing or what can we do or what should we be doing to address this growing number of unchurched, non-believers, whatever? Matter of fact, did you all catch last night CNN aired a show called The Atheist? And I got to watch a little bit about uh, a little bit of it. I didn't get a chance to watch all of it, but the little bit that I I did watch, actually, I I couldn't. <laughs> I, I'm not mad at those who profess no faith, uh, no theistic faith. They have faith in humanity. They have faith in the greater universe, and that's all wonderful. But um, they have no theistic centered faith, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and I think they did a, a good job portraying them as humans, and not and not some crazy, you know, uh, no no crazy blood sucking <laughs> vampire or anything like that. But some things that caught my my attention is that there's a growing movement within the non-believing atheism movement in America, where they're having uh, Sunday assemblies, and. I've had a friend, uh, my dear friend, Mandisa Thomas, uh, who is the president of the Black Non-Believers of America as well as in Atlanta. Um, she and I, we have discussions about this all the time. Um, she had the opportunity to speak at uh, Sunday Assembly in Nashville sometime last year. I, I can't remember exactly when it was. Uh, but I, I watched, uh, they recorded it, and I watched the clip of the Sunday Assembly, and the atmosphere was not much different from some of the contemporary church services that I see, like um, in Baptist churches or non-denominational churches, where you know it's dressed down, the music is very uplifting and positive, and the message is also inspiring uh, without being centered on God. Uh, and then there's this guy I can't remember his name, but he he has. Uh, Atheist TV or something like that. Uh, his, <laughs> you know, he he's really staunch, uh, a staunch atheist. But the the whole thing was they promote they pre, uh, presented atheists as humans, whereas we Christians we we tend to do the opposite. You know, we don't present Jesus as human, flawed, human. By flawed, I'm not talking about sinless, sinful. Uh, but we find we find in in scripture in the narratives of Jesus Christ where there were moments he felt the sensitivity of of, of hurt, anger, and and, and a despair, despondency. Particularly as we get ready to go into Palm Week, Palm Sunday Week, and Holy Week, and we recreate the seven last words, we recreate the last night of Christ. We find him in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. And where it seems like the sweat is like blood coming from his head. It's not blood coming from his head, but it, it, he was just sweating that profusely and that angst and that anxiety in that moment. And he asked God, will you allow me to get out of this? And he said, nevertheless, not my will, thy will be done. And then you see him on the cross. You see that frailty of a man who is dying on the cross, suffering at the hands of the oppressive Roman government. And yet, you see the humanity when he says, 
I thirst. And you see his humanity when he looks at uh the other the other person on the cross and he says, I understand the anguish that you feel about me and when I'm in paradise you'll be there also and then of course when he says it's finished and he gives up the spirit. That humanity has been misrepresented misrepresented in the Christian uh witness. We made him to be the Son of God, and that's it, the all-powerful, all-knowing Lord Christ. And we missed the humanity because we didn't want to take away the deification of Jesus of Nazareth. And as time has progressed, we've seen, you know, as things go forward, we've seen more of the humanity in um, Jesus of Nazareth. And I don't knock the atheists, and I know it probably, you probably... You probably figure out which side am I on. I'm not really on any side. I am simply stating the fact that I think they did a wonderful job. They did a wonderful job in portraying the humanity of these persons who have no, uh, who profess no belief in God, take away from their humanity. And I think that's what we need to uh, embrace. That even though they may not have a professing belief in God, they are no more or less our neighbor. They're no more or less our brother and sister. They're no more or less human. I don't know how I got on the topic, but <laughs> I just thought I'd share that. Listen, I'm going to take a quick break, and we're going to get into a All right, I've been having technical problems with the microphone. It's time for me to get a new one. All right. But we're going to get into our subject today, and the subject we're talking about today is a charge to young clergy. Those who are young in ministry, uh, both chronologically young in age and young in ministry. I have a challenge that I think I have something I think would empower you to have a more meaningful, lasting, and relevant ministry. So we're going to talk about that. I, I think you need to challenge yourself, you need to question yourself and others, and you need to respect yourself and others. So we'll talk about that a little bit later, but uh, we're going to take a break and see if we can get some of these technical difficulties taken care of. (laughs) But until then, uh, don't tune us out. Turn us off. Stay tuned. We'll be right back right after this. I wasn't born to push papers. I was born to push myself. To go where I'm needed. To keep this country safe. I was born with the backbone and brain power to take on any mission. This is my office. I was born ready. GoCoastGuard.com at Farmers, we make you smarter about insurance because what you don't know can hurt you. What if you didn't know that posting your travel plans online may attract burglars? Off to Hawaii. What if you didn't know that as the price of gold rises, so should the coverage on your jewelry? Ah. What if you didn't know that kitty litter can help you out of a slippery situation? The more you know, the better you can plan for what's ahead. 
talk to farmers and get smarter about your insurance. We are farmers. Bum, ba, da, bum, 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 bum. With the Name Your Price tool, you tell us what you want to pay, and we give you a range of coverages to choose from. Who is she? That's Flowbot. She's this new robot we're trying out, mostly for, like, small stuff. Wow. Look at her go. She's pretty good. Pretty good. Hey, Flowbot. Great job. Oops. Uh-oh, Flowbot is broken. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. Call or click today. Who loves social networking as much as you? Identity thieves. They can find your personal information and do some serious damage, like your birthday or your mother's maiden name. You need a new friend, LifeLock. We scour billions of data points every day. And if we discover that any of your personal information is misused, LifeLock is there. Call us at 1-800-LIFELOCK or go to LifeLock.com today. Suits today aren't like suits from yesterday. Part of it is the cut of today's suit. Short jacket, narrow lapel, moderate fit. But part of it is the cut of the man himself. Because today, it's not so much the brand of suit that defines the man, as it is the brand of man who wears it. You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee you. kinds of savings. Multi-policy discounts from Progressive. Call or click today. Welcome back to Zero Today. Again, I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. And we're back for segment number two of Zero Today. And as stated earlier, charge to young preachers, young clergy, those who are interested in entering ministry, those who have been in ministry for a number of years. Uh, I, I started preaching when I was 12 years old. I acknowledged my call at the age of 12, and here it is now, almost 40. In all these years, I, I've literally spent just about half of my life in preaching ministry, and, and uh, you know, I've had a lot of mistakes. And I, I thank God for the leadership that I've had. Who God has those who have been placed in my life as mentors, and I've had so many that I can't even begin to name. Because uh, if I start, I mess up. But I've had quite a few who have helped me. Um, I like to share the story. I I treated the first four years from the ages of 12 to 16 as an apprenticeship. Uh, at least that's where I saw it because I learned that 
I learned the workings of my local church. I, I shadowed my pastor. I, I followed him when he preached the revivals uh, in and out of the city where I lived and grew up. Uh, I shadowed, you know, he strategically placed me in various ministries to help me learn the concept of ministry. I, 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 I got, by the time I was 16, I got to understand how a church really worked. I got to understand leadership. I got to understand a lot of things that some preachers never get exposed to. So, you know, and this is, again, all by the time I was 16. By the time I was 17 and graduating from high school, I was in Bible college. I was learning basic Greek and Hebrew, basic hermeneutics and hermeneutics, basic uh, Christian counseling. And, you know, I, I was looking back on my transcript from there. <laughs> And this is all the way back in 1992, and I'm looking at it like, man, I got a C in homiletics? I, I couldn't believe it. I was an A student, and mind you, here's the thing. I was a high school student in day in marching band, symphony, uh, the youth symphony, Boy Scouts, top teams in America, and in everything else you can imagine. I was in it and still going to Bible college at night. My grandfather would let me drive, even though I didn't have a driver's license because it wasn't too far from where we lived. So he <laughs> I broke the law, but here I'm, I, I'm like, oh my God! I had I got a C in homiletics, and homiletics was putting a sermon together, and you know I was I wasn't a seasoned preacher, so you know my delivery wasn't all that good. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to say it. My my parishioners appreciate that I learned from that C, and I have done very well. A very good job of, of of maturing in that area. So to my professor, and I know he's still teaching there because I went to the Bible college. He's still there. I'm a good preacher now. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so I had the blessing of being able to do this while still in high school. So when I left the college uh, and I was wrestling with majors, I was, I was advised to and I, I kind of hate this. My pastor was like, don't, you know, major in something you like. So I majored in pre-med because I wanted to be a doctor. Then I changed to music, and I ended up being a music educator for a number of years. Um, my biggest regret is that when I went to seminary, I did not go into the seminary that I wanted to go to, but I went to one that was accessible. Um, anyway, I've had a, and I am a, I, I am a self-proclaimed academic. I'm a scholar. I, I, I'm i the one that goes to the seminary. Uh, we have several, two seminaries here. I go to the libraries to read the later jur latest journals, peer-reviewed journals, the scholarly articles, to see uh, about the breadth of scholarship. Okay, that's just me. I, I write academic papers for fun. That's crazy. I know what I know. I know. I'm not the average preacher, but I like doing that. Um, But that, that, is what has helped my ministry as far as helping me develop a more meaningful, a more lasting, and a more relevant ministry. And I'm not so much concerned about being uh, right as I will, as I am about evolving as a human and as a pastor and clergyman. Now, so... Here are three things, three charges that I think uh, are, are, are are necessary for young clergy, 
those who are young chronologically, if you uh, if you like me, you're a teenager. If you're listening, <laughs> if you're a teenager in ministry. I, I've come to find out a lot of preachers start young, and then there are those who start in their twenties. A lot of them start in twenties, and um, then there are those who are in the middle age. You know, late thirties, forties, some in their fifties who call get the call, um, and. They wrestle with the call. Let me tell you about my call experience. I, I I was not one. I didn't have a quote unquote quote unquote sign. My past when I told him in 1987, I said uh, I believe the Lord called me to preach, and he he told me because I was coming back from Baptist Youth Encampment experience in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, at the campus of Southern University, and the challenge was by. Dr. T.J. Jemison, who was then, uh, he was then the National Baptist uh, Convention president as well as the state president for the Baptists in Louisiana. Um, and I crossed paths with uh, then Pastor Paul Morton, now Bishop Paul Morton, uh, at that meeting uh, and several, you know, he always brought a big group there to youth encampment. But anyway, um, when I told my pastor, he said, well, uh, did you ask the Lord for a sign? And I said, no, I didn't ask the Lord for a sign. He said, well, go and ask the Lord for a sign. And I went and asked the Lord for a sign. I didn't get a sign. <laughs> but I like to tell the story that I made up a sign. I looked up and I saw the sun screaming, uh, streaming through the uh, branches and the trees behind the church. And I said, okay, that's my sign. I went and told him and he accepted it. <laughs> I don't know if that was a lie or not, but it was a sign to me. It was one that he accepted. And I, you know. Uh, the the preachers who have accepted their call under me, I I only asked one preacher that question, one time in the last fifteen sixteen years, I've only asked one preacher said, did the Lord show you a sign? <laughs> and I had then I you know or have you asked the Lord to show you a sign that you were called? And um, so I, I basically for those who come in ministry under me, I've just asked the question, how do you know? What kind of experience did you have? Was it significant? Was relevant? And, you know, I, I've i never had the testimony, you know, like some of these preachers, you know, I, I was never a drug addict. I, I was always a good church boy, so I didn't really do anything bad, per se. You know, I, I had my ways, but <laughs> I don't have that kind of testimony, big testimony, Lord delivering me from something. And because of that deliverance, I now preach. I don't have that testimony, but I know many who do. And that is, you know, that is for them. And calling is a subjective, the calling of God is as subjective as the individual. You know, the individual's experience, background, history, and things of that nature. So, what does it have to do with the charge? Uh, I think, I believe fervently and honestly and sincerely that many preachers never fully actualize their calling. Because they quit. Or if they don't quit, they stifle themselves. Or they are being stifled by leadership for whatever reason. And and they never go, they just never actualize ministry. Then there are those who over-actualize ministry. They go out of their way to create a ministry and a brand for themselves. Because they want to be rich, famous. They want to be 
seen. They want to be known. They want to be like Creflo, TD, and all these others. You know, they want to be like that. And there's nothing wrong with ambition. Absolutely nothing wrong with ambition. But if it's not fueled by the Spirit of God, if it's if it's ambition only, if it's pride, um, it won't last. You find this in Scripture. There's a, and, and I I sell this. I've I've used this this story on several occasions. Simon the sorcerer uh, has a bad rep, but uh, Simon had won the reputation in the community where he was, in the region where he was. He was well known. Um, and he was looking to always expand his horizon. <laughs> and when Peter and the apostles came with the gifts of the Spirit, and he recognized that this was a different type of divination, a different type of magic that he had seen because, and I share this all the time, you know, we forget that Jesus was a magi. He had somehow tapped into the that uh, Gnostic, that, that um, Zoroastrian template of ministry. He was able to discern things people weren't able to know. He was able to do things people weren't able to do. Um, and while there were many other Messiah figures during his time, uh, before him, during his time, including John the Baptist, and following him, he has managed to uh, stand out from the crowd for the last 2,000 years. And Simon the Sorcerer, when his, when, when his disciples... Uh, Peter and I believe, well, just Peter, when he saw that Peter had this gift and by laying on hands, people were being filled with the Holy Spirit and the various manifestations thereof, he said, I want that gift and I'm willing to pay for that gift. And Peter, if you go into the scripture, and I, I want to say it's in the chapter, it's in Acts uh, 13, maybe 12, 13. Somewhere in there, I could be mistaken. If you're a Bible scholar, you you'll find it. Um. Uh. Anyway. So. So so there, Peter tells him, you know, your gift, your your money, and your magic perish with you. And then there's another fable that follows that said that uh, later on Peter and Simon meet up again. At Jerusalem, and or some other place, and there's a challenge that is issued because he's doing these this wonderful magic, and he's again convincing the people that he's God, and the challenge goes forth from him to Peter or, or vice versa, and Simon the sorcerer begins to uh, levitate, and then he begins to fly uh, in this in this uh, one of this. It's one of the gospel, Gnostic Gospels that's not in the Bible, but it's a it's a story that follows that. But anyway, Simon the Sorcerer begins to fly, and while he's flying, la 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 la, Peter prays and he falls down dead. So anyway, I use that story to help young people understand ambition is good, but ambition is also very costly. So you can you can be ambitious. And lose the very thing that you have been gifted with, or have learned to do, or mastered, and that that can destroy you. So here are the three things charged to young people, young preachers, young clergy, those who are young in ministry, chronologically young in ministry, as far as just entering ministry. First thing is challenge yourself. Challenge yourself. 
uh, in his book, The Crisis of Younger Clergy, Lovett Weems, and uh, he's a wonderful uh, Methodist scholar, he talks about the fact that young clergy don't feel challenged anymore. And, and in, in African Methodism, and, well, in Methodism period, we have a process of ordination. You know, you go through what's called the Board of Examiners, and I'm privileged to be a part of our Board of Examiners in my local conference, and I'm one of the trainers for those who enter in ministry. Um, but there's no challenge. Um, when I say challenge, because they're trained to do ministry as is. You learn the ministry of the church, you learn the work of the church, and you go and you're appointed to a charge, you're expected to carry out what you've learned, and that's it. Make your report, at least in African method in Methodism, you make your report, and if it's good, Bishop pats you on the back and gives you another appointment for a year. For another year. Uh and those that are congregational, well the challenge is to not get voted out. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Oh, God, there's a story going on right now here in Jackson where a pastor was voted out. Members, uh, the pastor refused, as is the case now most times. pastor refused, and it's a big mess. But anyway, challenge yourself. When I say challenge yourself, I mean study. As Timothy, as Paul writes to Timothy, study to show yourself approved. I stay abreast of scholarly trends. I want to make sure... I want to see what the scholars are saying because the scholars, uh, they dictate what is taught in the seminaries, what is read by the seminary professors, and present views and various ideas um, that professors, if you go to seminary or if they read, uh, read a lot. And I'm not talking about read what you find in the Christian bookstores because that's popular. But go back and, and study the ancient texts. When I say ancient texts, I mean go read, you know, Saint Augustine, City of God, Confessions. Go read, uh, uh, who I, uh, not just Josephus. Josephus is good, but Josephus is by But anyway, but read things of Lenny. Go find out about church fathers like Arrhenius. You know, find out about the things of that nature. Read voraciously. Do that. Read the read Howard Thurman. Read things that are outside of your area of interest. You know, don't just read about if you're an apostolic. Don't just read apostolic stuff. Read about uh, Roman Catholic scholarship. You know, see what's going on in the Roman Catholic Church. Be broad as possible. Challenge yourself. Challenge yourself to be go beyond what you are expected to do. So that you can be broad and expansive in ministry, and not just limited. Uh, most of I'm I coming to find a lot of young cheek, young, young clergy limit themselves simply because of the fact that they they never bother to stretch themselves, never bother to challenge themselves. They learn from their their pastor or lead teacher, or whatever it may be, and they take that and that's it. Challenge yourself. Second, question yourself and others. Never be afraid to question yourself. If you have doubts, ask why. Why do I feel like I am lacking in certain in this area? And I have to do this to myself sometimes. Uh, right now, I'm in, you know, I'm engaging on expanding uh, ministry and things of that nature, and I'm questioning. Okay, why do I have this desire to expand? Is it something? Is it just an ambition to, you know, for myself? Is this vainglory? Or is it something that is God-driven? 
And don't be afraid to question that because, you know, when you question yourself, you can find answers that you need and, and you don't have to search outside. Secondly, question others. Don't be afraid to question your leader. Don't challenge your leader in a way that is trying to condemn, put them down. But don't be afraid. If you hear something, your your pastor or your lead teacher or even your seminary professor, they say something that you 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 you're not sure about. Don't take it as is. Question. Always question. Never stop questioning. And if it leads to doubt, so be it. Don't don't dissuade questioning because of doubt. Doubt is a very powerful tool. Tool. Doubt can drive you more than belief sometimes. I'll talk about that in a <laughs> Because even Christ used the believer's doubt to drive them. He says, "Ye a little faith, can you not believe, you know, just a little bit? Doubt is a good thing. It's a good tool sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes doubt is a good thing. Good tool. So question yourself. Question your motive. Always try to discern your own heart. Scripture teaches us that we should guard at our heart because out of it flows our issues of life. Uh, but you never want to stop questioning yourself, your desires. Why do you want to do this? Why do you believe you are given this invitation, this opportunity? Okay? And that will help you stay humble. It will help you uh, help settle you, for one. It keep you steeped in the faith. Maybe, you know, but it is it, really well. So challenge yourself. Challenge yourself to be extended beyond the confines of your local ministry. By by that, um, for example, people sometimes wonder. You know, they get confused when I tell them I'm Methodist. Now I'm a, I'm kind of shy, and when I go to visit outside places, uh, a ministry, you know, I just I just sit, blend in, and then. Uh, yeah, especially when I'm asked to preach, uh, they never know what they're gonna. Get. They're like, okay, he's Methodist, so he we're gonna get a lecture kind of sermon. Then I tune up and howl and oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and and they're surprised by that. But also, I've learned how to be ecumenical. I've learned how to be able to reach out to those beyond my faith communion. I know how to go to an apostolic church and. Just enjoy the presence of the people there, even if I don't completely understand what's going on. I'm in fellowship, and I don't have a problem doing that. I could go to a culture church and shout, go to a Baptist church, do the doctor watch. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And, but I'm comfortable in my, my African Methodist Episcopal church. I'm I'm very comfortable there, from going from the hymns. Uh, you know, I, I could do that. I could go to a non-denominational church and where they're doing the choruses, the worship choruses, and lift my hands. And I might not know the song, but as long as I'm in the presence of the people who love the Lord and are in communion with one another and sharing their faith and witnessing to the resurrection of the Christ, I'm, I'm fine. So don't ever limit yourself. Challenge yourself to get beyond the walls of your local assembly, the walls of your local faith communion, and learn. Question. Get there. Do research. Read books. Question: If you, I, I, I have to share this. You know, the Bible, while it's infallible in the way that it's God speaking, God's revelation, 
it is very much in, is very uh, infallible in a way of that, but it's very much fallible when it comes to reading because you're going to read some stuff that's going to just make you wonder why. And don't be afraid to question. Equal leadership are unable to answer your questions. Don't put them down. Help them. Find it. You know, research. Don't be afraid to read the book. Don't be afraid to go to the library and find out what you don't know. By questioning, I'm not saying, you know, when I was a young person, this mantra was, I, I never forget, by the time I got in college and I had I got introduced to various other forms of religious worship experiences, I was like, we need to get away from re- tradition. We need to just do away with tradition because tradition is just keeping us in bondage. And, and here I am in a faithful, <laughs> faithful uh, communion that is steeped in tradition. Over 200 years of tradition. <laughs> I tell you, it, it just amazes me sometimes. But yet, I find ways to still bring contemporary, to blend the contemporary with the traditional. And because I pastor an intergenerational church, we don't have separate services for the young folk and the old folk. We're all in this together, and everybody just get on board. You find what you find in our service. But the preaching gonna be the same. You're gonna like the preaching, I guarantee you that. Um, when you when you're questioning and it leads to things like doubt, don't let that deter you. Let that empower you to search the kingdom of God more. Seek you first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. All the allow that to happen. And lastly, this is my biggest thing. We talked about challenging the, the charge first charge was challenge yourself. Second charge was question yourself. This charge is the biggest. Respect yourself and others. The biggest hindrance to having a lasting, more meaningful, more relevant ministry is the lack of self-respect. By self-respect, I'm not just talking about as far as lifestyle. Um, I know of a young minister who was a rising star in uh, some circles in Christian. Um, his rising star is, is being tainted by some, you know, some rhetoric and some stories and and things of that nature. And the Lord has blessed him to be able to have a sense, a great sense of humility regarding what he's experienced, and he's able to tackle it. Now he's not doing it publicly, but at least he's doing it. You know, uh, he's 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 addressing his flaws. Most preachers, and we're seeing this now, uh, there's a trend happening in the church, from my observing, where most people sitting in pews who have pastors or leaders who have fallen into moral, uh, immoral, immoral behavior or circumstances, situations, they are rallying behind these men and women because they understand the fallibility of these human beings. Cases where we have witnessed where, you know, one pastor spreads HIV to his member, another uh, clergyman did the same with other women. Um, these are the things we, we have to challenge. These, the, while those may be isolated cases, we know that there are clergy persons who abuse one another and their members and those they serve. The challenge to respect yourself it's to understand that you are the temple of God, right? In you, the Holy Spirit dwells, and that you are a spring 
of life. That the Lord has called you to be a spring of life to those you are to minister to. Respecting yourself means that you are to carry yourself likewise. With this greatest sense of urgency regarding the gospel, regarding ministry, that as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, that you do nothing so that the ministry will not be blamed. You have that kind of integrity. Secondly, you have the respect for others. You know, don't tear down folk to build yourself up. There's a, uh, a clergyman in Atlanta for years. His Sunday sermons or his broadcast sermons were all about tearing down other people. You know, and he would do this. And he would put people, preachers on blast, would have YouTube beef. And some of you might probably know who I'm speaking of without even saying it. Um, but the point was, you know, he was making these other persons look so bad and making himself look so good and his members, you know, they weren't able to discern. Or if they did discern, they did not care uh, that he was not respecting the body of Christ. You know, think about the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And all of their, all of the resources. What they do when the body of, was giving up everything, they held back, and then tried to lie to Peter. Well, did lie to Peter, and Peter said, "You're not lying to me. You're lying to the Holy Ghost." And both of them died as a result of that. The worst thing that you can do as a clergyman, young and old is to be disrespectful first to yourself and how you carry yourself, how you carry your ministry, how you how you do all this thing, how you interact with your staff, with other believers. Just because you're a prophet, apostle, pastor, bishop, any of that. And if you're young in ministry, you shouldn't be calling yourself any of that anyway. <laughs> because you don't know what God has. You may believe, but that may not be it. You may somebody call you a prophet doesn't mean that you're a prophet. You may have prophesied an occasion, but that doesn't necessarily mean you walk in that office. You know, you understand what I'm saying? You may not be a pastor just because you can preach every Sunday. You know, you know are you caring for the sheep? The the sheep, as Peter questions, do you love my? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. If you lose respect. You lose respect for yourself. You lose your respect for God because you are serving the people of God. Uh, you have a charge to keep, like the good hymns says, a charge to keep you have, God to glorify, never dying soul to save and fit it for the sky. Serve the present age you're calling to fulfill. May it be all, uh, may you with all your powers engage to do your master's will. Watch and pray and on yourself rely. Be assured that if you betray the trust of the Lord, you will surely die. Now, let that saturate in your mind. Respect, you know, you, you know, you say respect is earned. Yes, respect should be earned, but it must be given first. And the biggest thing for young clergy that I'm finding is, you know, they want to build respect. They want to earn, they want to give respect, so they go to extremes to get it. Uh, and most times, it comes back and bites them. It comes back and hurts them. It it really taints their character. It really taints their ministry. And young person, you know, don't do that. Don't, don't, at the expense of your own ministry, 
disrespect yourself or disrespect someone else, someone else's ministry. You know, it's, it's wonderful that you want to imitate someone else's ministry. It's wonderful that you want to desire to have and maintain a, a popular ministry. But in doing so, allow the Lord to do it. Don't do it your own because it will come back and hurt you. So, again, here are, the, here are my challenges. Here are my charges to you. Challenge yourself. Don't settle for where you are. Don't settle for just being content. Don't be content. You know, it's good to be content. Paul uh, Paul exhorts us to be content in all things. But when it comes to ministry, be willing to expand yourself. Be willing to challenge yourself. Be willing to stretch yourself so that you can better serve those who you are called to serve to and minister to. Remember, you're not in this by yourself. Secondly, question yourself and question others. Question your motives. Question your desires. Question your ambitions. Question your positioning. Question all of that. If it leads to doubt, that's fine because doubt can be used to be an empowering tool for you. It can be liberating. Take off the burden of you having to do a lot of stuff. And also, don't be willing, don't be afraid to question those in authority if they're in error. If there's something that you just feel wrong, questioning them. Don't do it in a challenging way. Do it in a way that can be building up, lead to building up of themselves, yourself, and the local body or the body of Christ that you serve. And lastly, Respect yourself and respect others. God is no respect of person. And I'm learning this. I'm learning this. Preachers come a dime a dozen. <laughs> I'm serious. You know, because it seems like in, in this day and age, everybody want to preach. They don't want to give up. They don't want to do what's required, you know, the sacrifice required. But they want to preach. And just because you can sing, just because you can tune up, just because you believe you have some kind of deep revelation, uh, does not give you permission or even the the means to, or I may not even look, I'm not even finding the right word, but the authority to do so, to disrespect yourself or others. So, beloved, that's my challenge. I, I'm running out of time. Uh, I probably have to come back and visit this again, but as always, we want you to bless we got another great show coming up next week and as we go into leading into Palm Sunday I hope everyone has a blessed week and blessed weekend and a holy wonderful celebration on Sunday the Palm Sunday as we celebrate the Messiah uh, Jesus and Nazareth coming in to triumphantly to Jerusalem oh well Anyway, running out of time. That's all I have. Till next week, the Lord bless you. Let's keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. It's Pastor Renzo Neal going out. God bless you.